Well, I'm going to be continuing this morning's message on living with purpose. And as an eldership, we made a decision a little while ago that often we flit around between topics and move around and, and come back to something and then move on to another subject. But we decided to stay on the subject of living with purpose until we have really looked at it from every single angle, because it is such an important topic to get right. And today, I'm just going to be sharing. I haven't actually had the opportunity to share for a while. I've been had my head in another space of some very intense study. So this is the first time for a while I've been able to share. And really, today is just a whole string of little light bulb moments that have come to me on the topic of living with purpose. So relax, chill out, and think of it almost as if you're sitting around my dining room table just asking me a few questions, and I'll come back with a few little snippets of hopefully truth and wisdom and knowledge that may help you along the way. Now to start off, actually, I read something in the newspaper while I was having my morning cup of coffee the other day, and it was just in the news, in newspaper, and it was about a young woman, and maybe you missed it, maybe you got it, about a young American woman from San Francisco who was over in New Zealand on, an ex, on a um, work experience and had started to work up in Napier in a home for the disabled people. And unfortunately, on her way to work one morning, a car came on the other side of the road and she was hit full-on straight in with her car and died a few hours later in hospital. And her family came over from San Francisco, and this is what came out in the newspaper. Remember our topic is living with purpose, and what's the true purpose of life? Theo Anderson found her purpose before her fateful Hawke's Bay crash. It says that she found her purpose just before she had this crash by working with disabled people. And her family, her father said, we derive a lot of comfort from the fact that Theo found herself while she was in New Zealand. She fell in love with the people and the beauty of the land. And we, have, we can say with total confidence that she was totally happy as her parents, we can say this, and we are overjoyed to hear that she was progressing here and had found her purpose. Is that the purpose in life, or is that an expression of the purpose in life? This morning, I want to look at the possibility that we have a bit of a disconnect between, between theology and what we hear on a Sunday morning, or even believe about God, and what actually happens in the reality of our lives. Now, that's a sad but inspiring story, but I do not believe she found her purpose in life working with disabled children. I believe she found maybe an expression of that, but not the true purpose and meaning of life. That we've got confusion between those two things of the purpose and the way we express it, which is our gifts and our talents and our abilities. And that we've also misunderstood the training ground of where we move from knowing our purpose, our destiny, and our calling, and working it out, and actually the training ground is in the actual day-to-day -day activities of our lives. That we, for example, the how-to guide that takes us from knowing our purpose to actually being able to express it in the world we expected a holiday brochure, and instead we've been given a work manual. We wanted a leisure cruise to come our way, 
and instead a battleship has come our way. We are in a battle. It's not as simple as that. But I want to go through some things this morning of light bulb moments that I have had on the subject of our purpose, our destiny, and our calling. And, and one of those is the Proverbs 29, verse 18, which says, Without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. We read verses like this all the time, but do you really know what perish means in that verse? Do you really understand what without a vision of our purpose in life, we perish? In my suitcase here, I have a little prop today. Now, this is a hot water bottle that has been in our hot, in our, um, hot water cupboard for a bit too long. What happens to a hot water bottle from two or three years ago that you had with water and you emptied and you put it at the back of your hot water cupboard? When you go to get it in a couple of years from now, it sticks together and the insides stick together and they even can leak water out of it. And I don't know if you've ever had as a child the experience of taking a hot water bottle to bed that, that was actually perishable, that had perished and was leaky, but it is not a particularly nice experience. When you take a warm hot water bottle with you, that has actually perished. Do you know what the word perish means? It means that it fails to serve the purpose for which it was originally designed. That hot water bottle has perished because I cannot give it to another person to take to bed because when they take it to bed, the bed is going to get soaking. So when God says in Proverbs 29 verse 18, without a vision, the people perish, it means without a vision of truly knowing our purpose, our calling and our destiny, we fail to achieve the purpose for which we were designed. By the end of the session, when you're doing um, teaching sessions in my workplace or you're doing a university course or whatever, it often comes up and it says the aims and objectives of what this course is all about, and I can see our students here agreeing, and that by the end of looking at these aims and objectives, um, you will be able to clearly state what is, etc., and by the end of the session today, I hope that you'll be able to state what your purpose, what your calling and your destiny is in life. And it is the same as the person sitting either side of you. And that you'll be able to differentiate between the purpose and the expression of it. And I believe we've focused a lot more on the expression of our purpose and what we do and what our calling and, and what we actually, how we actually express it than actually on making the connection to the actual purpose itself. And that maybe today we may be able to touch a little bit on the fact that it's the transformation of our lives that connects the two, the two dots together and that is actually that God uses the circumstances of our lives right here and now to transform us so that we can not only know our purpose but actually live it out and express it in the world around us. 
Earlier this week, Andre, our son, got some bad news that um, one of his uh, professors that had actually marked his um, thesis, his doctoral thesis, and who had recently written a wonderful reference for him, had suddenly died at the age of 60. Just suddenly died at home at the age of 60. Now, this man is a great advocate of Andre's career, and it would be so good to have had a moment before he died to have asked him some more questions, or to have asked him some of the things that were, that were on this man's life that he wanted to see, for example, imparted to our son, but Andre didn't get that opportunity. Now, I would like to say that when we're looking at our vision, our purpose, and our destiny, that the last words of a dying man are actually really important. And I remember as a young woman, I'm trying to think if I was 13 or 14, maybe just a little bit older, being one day on holiday up the Thames coast and having a quiet time and suddenly finding the, some of the last words of Jesus before he went to the cross. And I just got absolutely lost in a chapter of the Bible in John 17. Turn to it with me. John 17. This is the wonderful chapter of the Bible, and we're not going to be having enough time today to go too much into this, but I'd love you to read John 17 this week and get lost in it, just as I did as a young woman. It's the whole verse that he says, I, won't be, I do not ask you, Father, to take my, these people out of the world, but that you will keep them and protect them from the evil one. Just as you sent me into the world, I so also send them into the world. But this is the verse that really captured me and the whole concept, that they may be one as we are one so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. I in them and you in me, in order that they may become one and perfectly united, that the world may know and recognize you. Jesus says, his prayer, one of the last words that he has to say is that we may be one as he was one with his father. He is inviting us actually into the conversation of God. He is asking us to enter into the space where we can become one with God. I look at it like this. Before we knew God, we stood alone over here. He longed to know us and to talk to us and to have a relationship with us. But it was only when we came through the cross of Jesus and we entered into the space where the cross opened up a whole new world for us that we could enter into the conversation of God, that we could hear his heart, that we could spend time with him and ask him what really is on his heart for this world, that we could find and know him for ourselves. I believe that the very purpose for which we were created was not just over here to be an expression, but to be in the space where we could know God for ourselves. Knowing God is the purpose of your life. It is the destiny. 
It is the calling, and it doesn't just land on a plate. It doesn't come like the cruise ship. It doesn't come with a manual that we think is just going to be something simple to follow. We need to find God for ourselves. I cannot teach you who God is just sitting here with you there and me here today. The way that I have known God for myself has come through my life's experiences. It has come through the actual time that I have sought and found God for myself. The purpose that you have in life is to know God for yourself, to know him and to know him deeply and intimately. Jeremiah 9 verses 23 to 24, we probably haven't got time to turn to it, but it says, if you're going to get excited about anything in life, get excited about the fact that you know me, that you know me personally, practically, and that you know me accurately. And we've sung some songs this morning about who God is, and they've all been full of truth, but you need to discover that for yourself through the circumstances of your life. To know God personally, practically, and directly discerning and recognizing his character is what Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24 says. Now, Peter and I, my husband here, have been married for a fair long time. I was only, I hate to tell it to you younger people, I was only at the end of my sixth form when I met him, and I married him two years after that. Uh, we have got a lot of, li- of years that we have spent together. Now, that was perfectly normal back in the 70s, okay? Just don't get that. Okay? It was a perfectly normal to do that in the 70s. Many Christian couples got married when the, the, um, the bride was sort of 18, 19. I was 19. And the, and the husband was maybe in their early 20s or whatever, okay? Now, Peter and I have known a lot, each other for a long time. We have celebrated some of the many highlights of life. We've embraced pain together. We know each other pretty well. And in almost every situation, I can predict what Peter will do because I know him. And I know him really well. I can. I, I, not because he's predictable, but because I actually truly know him. Okay, I can read him. I, I, he, I've got evidence of the way that who he is. Okay, the good and the bad. Okay. And I value often the parts that I've seen under the most extreme circumstances of our lives when when endurance and stability have been needed in our family, when somebody would get up every day and be consistent, okay? But I found something the other day about Peter that surprised me, and I'm actually annoyed about it. We were planning, we're planning to go away, and I'm leaving very shortly to go overseas, and we were looking at one of the websites that required a password to it, and the password, what actually happened was he, we tried it, all the normal ones that we know together, and it didn't work. And he said, ah, I've got a secret one. I've got a secret one. I bet it's the secret one. I said, you mean to say there's something I don't know? And he said, yes. He said, it's a secret one. So he put it in. And it, it, it worked. Now, you think you know Peter Fernando Muller, don't you? That's his middle name. His name's Fernand, Peter Fernando Muller. You think you know him. You think you know him pretty well. But right now in this audience today, I'm going to ask one person with one name to stand up. 
Jeffrey Maxwell Staten, stand to your feet. Peter was born, not Peter Muller, he was born Geoffrey Maxwell Staten. And I, you have learned something more this morning, and he was adopted at the very tender age of a few weeks old. So you think you know someone, and you don't always know them. And now I know the password, or half the password, <laughs> because he used those, those three initials, and then he added his first telephone number in Nelson, which I don't have at all know. So, you know, it's still secret. None of us will know it. What I'm saying is there are no shortcuts to knowing Peter. I, I have had to live and I've had to get to know and I've had to go through many experiences in life in order to say that I know Peter. And he will still surprise me with things like that. And I want to say that your purpose, your calling, and your destiny is not so much to focus on the how-to and what to do for God, but to focus on knowing God for yourself. And God will continually surprise you as well with new aspects of who he is and his, his character in the midst of your life. That that verse in Proverbs 29, verse 18, that says, without a vision, the people perish. Actually, in the Amplified Bible, which actually goes into the Greek and the Hebrew, it says, without a vision of God's redemptive power, the people perish. And I want to say to you today that I don't mind what you are walking through now, or what you have walked through in your life, that God's redemptive power can reach every single circumstance. It doesn't matter whether you come with a string of successes and then one big failure that to you feels like it's wiped all that out of your life. I want to tell you that without a a vision of God's redemptive power, the people perish. If you twist that round the other way and say, with a vision of God's redemptive power, we truly live. We truly find the purpose for which we were intended. And God uses the circumstances of our lives to cause that transformation. And nothing is wasted And nothing is so far out there that God cannot redeem it. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, The thoughts and the plans I have for you are to give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope of fulfilling the purpose for which you were destined, for which you were created, and that is to knowing to know God. Making sense of life's journey is all about finding the right connection and being connected to God. Now, I'm going to finish on an example that I'd just like to bring to you today, which has just been, again, another little light bulb moment in my life as I've looked at the children of Israel and contrasted their lives with the life of Moses 
who was the one that led them through the wilderness. See, the children of Israel, their lives just went round and round in circles. They grizzled, they complained about the conditions in the desert after being released from slavery. I did some looking up in, in, in last night in order for, the, for today's preparation and found that the years of slavery were 210 years in Egypt before they were released and they came into the wilderness and were meant to be intended to go into the promised land. They failed to realise their real purpose and they failed to pay the cost for what it would be to find God in the wilderness. Sure, they were released from Egypt and all they could say was that they survived the wilderness, or a number of them did. They could wear a badge or a T-shirt and say, I survived the desert. So what? But I want to put to you that this morning that they failed to find the purpose for which they were intended. They got through it by the skin of their teeth, but they never got to the real purpose that they were intended to fulfill. Their lives were intended to know God intimately and deeply for themselves. And God even created the opportunity for that, and yet they failed to actually fulfill it. They failed to appreciate their newfound freedom from slavery. And as I said, it was over 200 years. They were self-centered. They had gone from taskmasters lording it over them to mirandering aimlessly for 40 years of their lives. Anybody have any idea of actually how long it could have taken them to get through that period of time that took 30 days? 40, uh, 40, yeah, 40 years? Anybody got an idea? 11 days. They could have got from A to B in 11 days and it took them 40 years. I sometimes wonder if that's the story of some of our lives. The real challenge. But you know, the the tremendous disappointment was that God had even allowed them to be in the wilderness where they could have found God for themselves. And they could have come out with a story just filled with the stories of God being with them. Instead, they just demanded things to be delivered on a plate. Where's the food? Food. Fall from heaven. Water. Water. Strike a rock. And Moses just had to do what they wanted because they just wanted it like that instantly without finding God for themselves. Instantly, they just wanted everything on a plate. There's a verse that, again, a little light bulb for me, is in Hosea 2, verses 14 and 15. And it actually says, let me just read it to you. Hosea Two And this was a light bulb as fresh as this morning. I hadn't even seen and made the connection between this, this verse. I was going to use it somewhere else in my message this morning, and I just felt God say, that was what I wanted to do in the lives of the children of Israel. Hosea 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, it actually calls these people the children of Israel. Therefore, behold, God is speaking, and he says, I will allure her, Israel, and bring her in the world, into the wilderness, and there I will speak tenderly and to her heart. 
There I will give her her vineyards and make her valley of acor or troubling to become a door of hope and expectation. God said he would allure Israel into the desert, into the wilderness, and there they would find him for themselves. And all their troubling, and yes, life is full of troubles, through their troubling, they would find a door of hope and expectation. And it goes on to say that he would take out of their mouths the concept and from their heads of God being a taskmaster and they would know him as a husband. They would know him for themselves as he truly was. Instead of seeing a harsh picture of him, they would see an accurate picture of him. You see, finding God in the wilderness is hard. It takes a decision of ours to say, God, I will wrestle with you like Jacob did until you bless me. I don't mind whether my circumstances are perfectly wonderful or whether I'm in the toughest circumstances I have ever faced in my life. And I know in an audience such as this, there's at least one of you in that category. And I would say to you today, find your purpose, your destiny, and reconnect with it, and find God in the circumstances of your life. Ask him to be known to you, and it's not going to be easy, but say, I will work on this with you, God, until I make that connection. Romans 8 verse 28 says, all things work together for good, for those who love God. Do you know what, once again, do you want to know what it says when you actually go below the surface to look at the Hebrew and the Greek? Romans 8 verse 28 says, we can be assured and we can know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together for good. Labor and work. It doesn't just happen. There is something we have to do. And I want to encourage you today that for those of you who need to work on this with God, I want you to put your hand up and say, God, I may have lost you in the midst of my life, or I may be struggling to find you, but my purpose in life is to know you and make yourself known. When I write in my journals, and I have frequent ones that I fill and then put aside, I have in the back of my journals quotes that have actually touched my heart. They're not always quotes that you want to read. They're actually often the quotes that are the harder things that have been a challenge to me in my life. And it's like God saying, work on this with me. There are some quotes at the back of one of my journals recently, and it came out of a reading, and it says, since you became a disciple... You cannot be as independent as you used to be. The purpose of God is not to answer your prayers, but by your prayers you will come to know and discern the mind of God. Since you became a disciple, you cannot be as independent as you used to be. 
The purpose of your life, if of God, purpose of God is not to answer your prayers, but by your prayers you will come to discern the mind of God, that you will come to know God for yourself. That's the children of Israel's story, and I want to finish on the contrast of Moses, of Moses who had every reason to have, in a sense, grizzled at God and maybe never found him for himself. But that's not the story of Moses' life. He was a seemingly reluctant leader whom God had positioned through the circumstances of his life. The first 40 years were after he had been threatened at birth for his very life and had to be rescued in the bulrushes and taken from a family of the children of Israel into the palace of an Egyptian, of of Pharaoh, and he had to be dislocated from life. He had every reason to have struggled, but God was preparing him for a purpose. He was preparing him through knowing him to be able to express that knowledge by leading the children of Israel out of slavery and negotiating with the very courts and the palaces in which he'd been 40 years. Do you think that was a mistake or not? Of course it wasn't. God knew exactly what he was doing when he positioned him in the courts of Pharaoh, because he knew that the outworking of his knowledge of God would be that he would release the children of Israel from slavery and know how to negotiate with Pharaoh. And then when he became a little too aggressive with his passion and made a really important mistake, he killed another man, he was then spent 40 more years in the back of a desert looking after sheep for his father-in-law, Jethro. But do you know what? When we talk about God redeeming the circumstances of our lives, God not only redeemed the circumstances of 40 years in Pharaoh's court, but he also redeemed it because by knowing how to survive in the desert alone for 40 years, guess what he could do? He could lead the children of Israel, disobedient as they were, through the desert for 40 years himself, because he knew it like the back of his hand. So even the circumstances that would have seemed, could have threatened him, they did not threaten him. And in Exodus 33, verse 11, it tells us the secret. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one would speak to a friend. It was Moses that sought God in the tent. And it was Moses that was allowed to go in the tent. And it was Moses that went up to the mountain and came back with his face shining and could impart to the children of Israel the knowledge that he had of God. But the sad part of all of that was the purpose was for each of those people of the children of Israel to have found it for themselves instead of having to get it through another. And God wants to say to you this morning that your purpose, your destiny, is to find him for himself, to seek him in the difficult and the joyous circumstances of your life. Because by doing that, 
Moses was able to display who God was to those around him. When we get to know God for ourselves, the characteristics of God infiltrate our lives and we're like God on display to the world around us. That is the outworking of the purpose of your life. God on display. I heard that the other day and I thought, wow, what a great term. You know, so often, as I said, we have theology in our head, we have words, but we don't make the connection between the two. The purpose of my life is to seek God for myself and to know him. And as a result of the circumstances of my life and finding God in the middle of each and every one of them, that I will be able to be God on display to the world around me, to my family, to those around me, to the places of work that God opens up for me. Wherever I am, when I'm on a plane next Friday on the way to the other side of the world, I will be or have potential to be if I engage with God and am courageous to allow him to be on display through my very life. May God bless you. May you be challenged by some of my little light bulb moments. Be connected with God for yourself. Sure, come and learn as much as you can from others, here on a Sunday and in your home groups, etc., but none of it is a substitute for you knowing God for yourself.